hey, I'm glad you're here. And uh, we started a new series last week called Finding Jesus. And today I want to start with, with, with a question, okay? And, th- and this is the question. The question is this. The question is, if your life was an advertisement, what would you be advertising? You know what I'm saying? Like, if your life was an advertisement in a magazine, if your life was a commercial, if your life was one of those paid-for TikToks, right, what, what, what would you be advertising? Or, or maybe you've heard it said a different way. Have you ever, um, ever been talking about somebody to somebody else, and they've said, oh, I know them. Oh, they're the, they're the fill-in-the-blank guy. Or they're the, they're the fill-in-the-blank lady. You know what I'm talking about? Like somebody who's known for something. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud of this. I think this is, this is a good thing. You know, usually whenever I'm out and about, because I, I, like, I love doing networking. And so, you know, people know me for different things. So if I'm out in Wentzville or Wright City or, or Troy, pe- people, they're like, oh, I'll introduce myself. i say, hey, I'm Michael. And I don't refer to myself as pastor or anything because I don't, you know, need a boost in my ego. And so I just refer to myself as Michael. And so they say, oh, you're, and I, some, what sometimes I get, you're the affordable Christmas shop guy, you know, because that's kind of one of the things we're known for in our community. I think that's really cool to be the affordable Christmas shop guy. Or this is a weird one, and some of you are really, I don't know if you know this, we have like 15 CrossFitters here today from my gym. Um, we're, just, we're just slowly converting people one pound at a time. And so, you know, but some people, they'll meet me and like, you're the CrossFit pastor guy. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, that's one. I had a new one, though, this week. Never, never heard this in my life. Never heard this in my years of ministry or anything, uh, this week I went to go help with our Monday mobile food market that we have um, that, by the way, is, is going to end here soon. And Ashley has done a great job with her team of feeding families every single week. But Brayden and I went to help, and so Ashley's youngest, Nathan, was there. And so I walked downstairs, and I've ne- I haven't gone and helped with it. They've, the team has been very adequate. They haven't needed me at all, nor wanted me or anything. Um, but I just showed up, and Nathan goes, oh, guys, today's a special day. The owner is here. <laughs> the owner? I've never been referred to as the owner of this establishment. Kind of like that one. All right. Well, I am the owner of Anchored Hope Church. Um, um, <laughs> and then I kind of got offended because he's like, he looks strong, but we'll see today. And I was like, hey, 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 hey. These aren't just show muscles here. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, but what are you known for? Let me ask you this. What, what, is, what is the church known for? I mean, some of you probably, you grew up in a church, you have a past church experience. What was your former church? What were they known for? What were they advertising? What is our church known for? What is our church advertising? Now, let me ask you a really good question. Why is it what your old church was advertising and Anchored Hope Churching? Why are those answers different? (laughs) Because they shouldn't be, right? But... We'll get to that in a little bit. If you're just catching up with us, we are in part two of our series called Finding Jesus. And what we have been talking about is that there is a a, a kind of a new term being used, and it's called deconstruction of faith. There are people who are leaving their faith, walking away from their faith. They have their hand on the door, and and they're leaving their faith because of hang-ups that they have. And and one of those hang-ups is the hypocriticism of the the church, and we're going to do a series on that next. But but the other thing is, is just the Bible, right? Because a lot of us, we grew up in, in, in faith churches that just says, the Bible said, the Bible said, and because the Bible said, you have to do it, and they, they, they put that 
set authority in Scripture. And the thing that we talked about is that the good news, because we can all go through and look, we can find errors in the Bible. We can find things that, 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 that don't match up, right? Or, or we can even we, we can start to understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And we realize that you know, we're, we're Gentiles, we're not Jews, and so we're, we're part of that New Covenant, and it's two different people and stuff. And so when you start to understand that and break the things down, man, you can, get, you can get jaded on the Bible really, really quick. But yet then we think, well, am I even a Christian? Am I allowed to be a Christian? Because I was just always told the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And we get hung up on stuff like that. We get hung up on, did Noah really get two of every kind in, into, you know, the ark? I mean, how is that possible? What is that? Where do dinosaurs fit in? You know what I mean? Do I really have to honor thy father and mother? Like, what age does that stop? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can get hung up on. And I, and I, I have empathy toward it. I get it. I got there. I mean, I grew up in church, and I, I get it. I understand it. I, I, I was there myself, and, so, and I don't even think it's a bad thing to deconstruct your faith. I think the problem is, is that you have to have a plan to reconstruct your faith. And, and so, but here's the good news. The good news is this. Christianity does not rise and fall on the accuracy or the inerrancy of 66 ancient documents. It doesn't. It's not that the Bible says that makes it true. It's not that the Bible says that makes it real. The truth is, and the good news, and what's expected of us actually, is that Christianity, it rises and falls on an individual, Jesus. This is what Christianity really falls on, because here's the truth. The truth is, is that without Jesus, there is no salvation. Without the cross, and more specifically, the resurrection, well, I mean, you wouldn't even have a the Bible, because you're all Gentiles. You wouldn't have the Ten Commandments. You, you wouldn't have any purpose for that. And here's the thing. Once Jesus started the, the church, the ecclesia, and Gentiles began to get saved, they didn't even give them the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't teach them the 613 Old Covenant laws. They taught them Jesus. Because although some people think that Jesus is easy... No, not by a long shot. Jesus' command was way more demanding. Jesus' way that he taught us the kingdom was way, way more. And for a period of time after Jesus, number one, it was just rumors and stories and firsthand accounts. But then when they started to take these accounts down, for a long time before there was ever a the Bible, there were just small copies or, or people who memorized these firsthand accounts of the life and the story of Jesus. And so there was never a the Bible until there was even a printing press. So what did they do? What did they put their faith in for all those times if it wasn't in the Bible? Well, it was the Jesus is what they put their faith in. Because it was Jesus. Because Christianity rises and falls on Jesus. So here's the thing. If you're, if you're deconstructing your faith and you're like, I have some hangups on the Bible. I don't know if this is true or that's true or if this matches up in Genesis. That is completely fine. That is okay. Because what really matters, and the question we should really ask ourselves is this. The question we should ask ourselves is, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John a reliable account of actual events? That's what we should ask ourselves. Because if any one of them are correct, if any one of them are accurate on the life of Jesus, if what Matthew tells us is true, Mark tells us is true, Luke, John, if what they say is true about Jesus, then game on. You want to debate Noah and all that stuff? You go, it doesn't really matter. Wherever you land on, it doesn't really matter. What matters most is what we believe about Jesus. All the other stuff, sprinkles and toppings, all good. 
we have, obviously there's different, there's different denominations, there's different people who kind of think different ways about this, but what matters so much is that we're all in agreement on Jesus. And so what we're going to do the next few weeks is we're going to look at the, the gospel of Luke. All right? Luke was a doctor. He wrote an account. But the thing to remember is that when Luke wrote an account, he wasn't writing a the Bible. He was writing an account to someone specific. And so we're going to read it really quick. This is what Luke said at the very beginning of his gospel. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Here's what's so interesting. So many people didn't have an account taken on their life back then. No one, Herod the Great, Pilate, they didn't have accounts taken on their life. So there had to be something extraordinary to happen for somebody to even take an account of this Gentile common carpenter man. What, what, why would anybody write an account of his life? Because something extraordinary happened and because something good happened. And then Luke continues and he says, just as they were handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses, and servants of the word, which he means Jesus when he says the word. He says, look, I'm not making this up. I wasn't there. I'm not one of the 12, but I know these guys. I know Peter. I know John. I know James. I know the brother of Jesus. And they have told me what they've seen, and I am writing it down. I am closely investigating. He says next, with this in mind, I want you to know I'm carefully investigated everything, everything from the beginning, which is why Luke gives us the birth narrative of Jesus. And then he says, too, this is who he's writing to. He said, I, too, have decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. He wasn't writing a the Bible. There was no meeting to write a the Bible. He was writing to Theophilus. He had no clue that it would be copied, that it would be circulated, that it would be taken where it went. But it did. And God probably knew that was going to happen. And he tells Theophilus something so important. He gives them the why. Why are you even writing this down? Why are you even telling him? Why don't you just tell Theophilus, hey, Theophilus, what you've heard, I mean, you just got to take it by faith, brother. You just got to have faith. It's part of the mystery of God. That's not what he says, though. He says this. He says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke says, I want you to know. I want you to know there's some truth to what you've heard. I want you to know there's some truth to what you've been told. I want to come underneath and lay a foundation underneath what you have learned. The thing is, is that so that he knew who he had put his faith in was real and what he had given his life to was true. That's why he wrote down what he wrote down. And so if you're deconstructing your faith or being introduced to your faith, you owe it to yourself to not just take my word for it. You owe it to yourself to investigate the truth, to go and find Jesus for yourself. But as you're discovering and as you're reading and as you're studying and as you're learning, the question is not, is God real or is the Bible true? Those are off-ramps to faith. Those are, those are journeys that are going to clearly take you away. The question, the intelligent question you really need to ask yourself, the logical question is this. Is Luke lying? Because if Luke's lying, then of course don't follow Jesus. But if Luke is possibly telling us the truth, and if there's something to what he's telling us about Jesus, well then, game on. So we're going to skip a, a few chapters ahead and look at what Luke tells us next. And after the birth narrative, what Luke tells us is about my favorite historical Bible, Bible character, Bible figure, whatever you want to call it, John the Baptizer, or probably as you know him, John the Baptist, right? 
So John the Baptist, why did he even get that name? Why did he have to have a nickname? Because there were a million Johns on the planet is why. It was a very common name, right? A lot of Johns, a lot of Marys, right? A lot of Jameses. And so you had to be very, very specific about which one you're talking about. And the thing that John was known for is he invented baptism. Now, there was a form of baptism in the Old Covenant that, you know, some people used, some didn't. But he basically remixed it and made it his thing and started baptizing people. And so they were like, you're John the baptizer, right? And some of you don't know this, John was actually a cousin of Jesus's. Uh, we actually see in the birth narrative, there's a point where Mary is, is with one of her, her, uh, her cousins or her aunts, and, and that's John. That's John in that womb. And so that's where John probably knew a little bit about this. Was, he was kind of the pregame, the pre-show. And so John, John was crazy. John, John was nuts. If you met him, you'd be scared to death. Guarantee you he'd have tattoos if he'd live in the day of 2022. He'd have a wicked long beard, crazy eyes. I mean, he, he would be that dude, okay? And so it, he, was, he was wild, and he kind of was nuts, and he was very, very intense, and he loved to stir the pot, and he was just in people's faces. He's that guy, right? And so he, he comes on the scene and becomes this, like, pregame for Jesus. Like, he's like the opening act, and so Luke, he tells us a little bit about him, and, and, and this is what we get. He says, so, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip. Now look at all this. This is how he begins when he starts to talk about John. He goes, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, and this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and this, and this right? Let me ask you something, Okay. Let's talk about if the Bible is made up or if Luke is lying, okay? Let me ask you a question. If you're lying to people, do you give people dates to fact check, right? Like if you're going to tell somebody a story 20 years from now about this weekend, would you say, it was May the 1st, one week until Dr. Strange came out? <laughs> Russia was invading the Ukraine. We were on the brink. We had just got done with covid Johnny Depp was in trial with his lover. <laughs> and the newest TikTok was a girl backing out saying, ah! and I mean, would you give people those kind of details to fact check you to see if you were telling the truth? No, you wouldn't give people those details. You're like, once upon a time, on a day I can't remember, uh, a thing happened. That's what you say. That's what you say when you're making stuff up. So why does Luke give us these specific Hard details, things that we can fact check, things we can go back and go, okay, was that, yep, no, okay, no, that matches up too. Why would you do that if you were lying? The answer, you wouldn't. Because Luke's not lying to us. And then he says this, he says, so the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Again, which John? There's a lot of Johns, bro. Which John? Well, he's not John the baptizer quite yet. He's John, son of Zechariah. Zechariah's story is, is there in the Gospels as well, but, but he ended up uh, being a priest at the temple. So again, we can go back and we can look at this. And, and if you even look back, if, if even Luke's account isn't enough, you could even go back and, and look at Jewish literature. In 90 AD, Josephus writes this history of, 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 of Judaism, and he even speaks about John the baptizer, John the Baptist, and, and how he died. 
pride and his conflict with, with Herod because he was, when he would preach, he would politically bash Herod because Herod was into some really weird stuff with divorcing his wife and marrying his sister-in-law and stuff. And so, you know, he, he kind of stood up and politically bashed him. And so it got him in jail and it eventually led to his death, which is why we don't have an, an account or a, a gospel of John because John went from preaching to, to being martyred for, for his faith and his preaching. But even, even Josephus, even the Jews write about the existence of John and, and, and the impact that John had. So what happens next is he begins to tour the country pretty much. John starts to go out, and again, he's the opening act for Jesus, and, and this is what it says. It says, he, he went into the country around the Jordan, Jordan River, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John starts going out, and he starts telling people, you need to repent. You need to repent. Remember, a lot of these people, they're Jews. A lot of these people, they're, they're, they're regularly going to the temple. They're, they're following the 613 Old Covenant laws. And then here comes John and goes, y'all are all sinners. You need to repent. 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 Repent of what, John? Well, I'll tell you. And what was happening was so important. John was trying to get everyone in sync with Jesus. He was trying to get everybody in sync with the ministry of Jesus because he knew if Jesus came along, he knew what Jesus was going to say. He knew what Jesus was going to introduce. And if people weren't even somewhat in sync with Jesus' ministry, when Jesus came, they would miss him. And they, he didn't want anyone to miss Jesus. So... All of a sudden, John gets very, very popular, right? He's out in the wilderness. He's baptizing people. He's choke slamming them in the water. Like, this is a brand new experience. They're used to going to the temple, talking to a priest, being forgiven of their sins, and doing all that stuff. And now they're out in the wilderness, and this big, bad, bearded, tattooed guy is just taking them by the neck and be like, Welcome to the kingdom, brother. And he's just dunking them in the water. I mean, the revolution has begun, right? I mean, these are crazy, crazy, crazy times. Now you understand me a little better, okay? And so this is what happens. And so all of a sudden, as all the crowds start to come out, and what happens is this gets back to the temple. So the temple and the priests are like, hmm, attendance has been a little low as of late. Does anyone know the problem? You know, do people not feel guilty enough for this ends? Because we could remind them how much they need us. I don't know why they're British. They live in, <laughs> they're in Jerusalem, but they're British. Anyway. <laughs> this is why they kicked me out of seminary. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, it gets back to the temple, and they're like, what's going on? And they go, well, John the baptizer's out there. This crazy biker dude is out here, and he's, he's chokeslamming people in the water. We have no clue what's going on. So they go, well, we need to go investigate. We need to go find out what in the world is going on. And so they take a day's journey. All the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they all get together, and they go out to the wilderness to see what in the world is going on. They go to attend one of these services. So John sees them coming. And John, he has such a loving, Christ-filled uh, welcoming for them. This is what he says. He turns to them, and he says, John said to the crowds coming to be baptized to him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee of the coming wrath? Very loving welcome to church, right? He sees them coming, and he calls them brood of vipers. 
I'm not even going to tell you the equivalent of that word uh, today of what he would have said, but it wasn't very nice. He calls them a brood of vipers, and he goes, who warned you guys about this, right? I mean, he puffs on me, just challenges them immediately whenever he sees them. But John knew what they were there to do. John knew they were, there was one of two things that they were there to do. Maybe the first thing was is that they were there to just get baptized too. So that they could tell everybody, oh, yeah, you've been baptized, me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've all been baptized. We've all seen John. Yeah, good show, good show, you know. But the other thing that he was probably more likely was that John knew that they were out there to criticize him. They were out there to judge him. They were out there to watch with their arms crossed. And then later on, when people came to the temple, they were like, hey, I've, I've been baptized. I don't know what that means here. But, and they would say, oh, yeah, 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 we attended that service. Let me tell you, that guy's crazy, all right? That little short, muscly guy with the tattoos wearing jeans at church and Jordans, that's ridiculous. That guy's an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm venting now. Anyway, uh, but that's what they were there to do. They were there to criticize. They were there to tear him down. And so he just cuts them off, and he says, you brood of vipers, I know why you're here, and I know what you're doing, and I'm telling you guys, you must repent because something new is coming. Something brand new, someone new is coming. And I'm telling you what, if you guys aren't ready, if you guys haven't prepared yourself, you are going to miss him. And if you miss him, you're going to miss out. And so please don't do that. Please repent. Come down here. Be baptized. Join the kingdom of God. And then he says to them something so specific and important. He says to them, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He says to them, here's what you need to do. Produce fruit. Don't just repent. Don't just believe. Don't just give your life to Christ. Give your life to God. You need to produce something. Something needs to come out of this. There needs to be a reality to this. There needs to be a practicality to this. You need to produce fruit. And then he already knows where they're going to go. He already knows what they're going to say. And he says this, And do not begin to say to yourselves, But we have Abraham as our father. Because this is what they did. They thought, we, we got a mulligan. We got to get out of hell free card. We're Abraham's descendants. I don't know if you've heard or not. We are God's chosen people. And we are not going anywhere. And nothing bad is going to happen to us. And I know we're in a dark day today because we've screwed up a lot of times. But I'm telling you, God is on the way. And he is going to take out the Roman Empire. He's going to put us back in charge. And we don't need anything. We don't need to be baptized. We don't need any of this because we, we have Abraham as our father. And Luke looks at him and says, no, that, that's not how this works. He goes, that's not an excuse. That's not going to save you. He says, for I tell you, I tell you that these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. Like, you think it's something that you're children of Abraham? God, God can make these stones here children of Abraham if he wanted to, okay? So you're, that's, that doesn't matter. That's not, that's not important. Now, I was trying to think about, like, how could, how, how could this relate to us, right? Like, how could I, like, you know, stir the pot and make you mad at me, right? This would be like if John were here today. If John were here today and he were preaching, 
And he started to preach his wild, I mean, he did. He was wild. He was trying to stir the pot. He was trying to do stuff, and he was trying to call people out. He was trying to make people feel uncomfortable because he needed to. He needed to break up the ground before Jesus came up and planted the seeds. And so he's doing that. And so this would be like the equivalent of John coming here and preaching at Anchored Hope Church, and he says, and do not begin to say to yourselves, but we are Christians. I don't know what you're talking about, John. I don't know if you've heard. I've been baptized, and I've been confirmed, and I took another class at another denomination as well. And I don't know if you know this or not. I carry my card. I'm a member of the Church of the Nazarene as well. (laughs) I've been to Sunday school all my life. My attendance record is rock star, and I have all perfect attendance. I'm a very good person. Served on the board once, too. Kind of a big deal, right? And John would look at you and say, who cares who cares you say that you are christians you think that that matters well he would say this he said, i would tell you out of these donuts i could raise up christians because <laughs> we don't have any stones you know so it had to be donuts you know but out of these donuts i could raise because it doesn't matter look i'm telling you what i'm telling you it doesn't matter i'm, t- I'm telling you you're gonna miss them you're gonna miss out and here's the thing that had happened at that time What had happened is that people had learned the rules of the game, the sacrificial game, the temple game, the laws, and they had found a way to manipulate it and had found a way to take the old covenant and make God work for them, make God fit them, make God fit their life. And the thing is, is that if John said this today, he wouldn't be totally wrong. Because isn't it true, isn't it true that some of us, not all of us, some of us, you've become committed to the way Jesus works for you, you've not committed to Jesus' way. You've taken the parts that you've liked. I like this part about Jesus. I I love the forgiveness part. Love that. Love the mercy. Love the grace. For me, not so much my enemies, but for me, I'm going to take a little bit of that. Okay, what does God say about that? I'm going to pretend like that scripture doesn't exist. I'm going to call that gray. Okay, I'm going to call that a gray area when Jesus said that. And so how many of us have taken Christianity and made it fit us? How many of us, how many of us have chosen a church that fits us instead of finding a church that's following Jesus and committed to the ministry of Jesus? How many of us have picked and choose? Well, I I take this that I like, I take that. I'm trying to find a, a faith that works for me. No, 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 no. It's not about finding a faith that works for you. It's about having faith. That's what it's about. It's about following Jesus. And John, John would say, look, you you can't do it your way, you gotta do it God's way. You can't, you can't just pick and choose. You've got to commit yourself to Jesus' way. And so now, man, John has stirred it all up. John has just, you know, blasted everybody's minds. And so next, this is what Luke tells us. John, he gives us huge warning. It's a scary warning. He says, the axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Oh, that sounds scary. Okay. John, you're crazy, man. Well, I got to produce fruit or I'm going to be thrown into the, the, the fire? Okay, I don't know what that's all about, but ooh, that doesn't sound good. Axe, trees, burning, no good. Okay, I got to produce fruit. And then this is what is so cool. The crowd asks a question, and this is a question that I hope you ask of yourself every single Sunday. Like this is, this is every single Sunday that I teach, I am trying to get you to, to go to this question. And the question is this then what should we do? The crowd, they said, 
then what do we do? What do we do? And John, he answered. He says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Now, you're probably expecting a more like religious answer, right? What do we do? Pray. Just pray. Keep praying. It's going to be real bad. Pray. The axe is coming. Just keep praying. Have faith. Good luck. Take luck. Good care. All right? But no, he gives them something to do. He says, if you have a shirt and you can share it with somebody, share. Give to somebody. And I'm sure the crowd was going, that's it. <laughs> just going to start giving my clothes away? John goes, yeah, that's it. Just start sharing with people. You guys should share more. Share. Take care of one another. Love one another. Take care of one another. So then now it starts all the groups. There's all these subgroups and all these people that are there going, you know, kind of whispering to each other. And so all of a sudden the tax collectors, even tax collectors came to be baptized. Now here's what's so interesting. If you ever read the Gospels, you'll see when you talk about Jesus' crowd, sometimes they'll say, and then the sinners and the tax collectors came. And you're like, why are they separated? Because there were sinners, which were, you know, people living in sin. And then there were the really bad people, tax collectors, right? So it'd be like, you know, it'd be like today if they're like, and then all of a sudden, you know, the sinners and, you know, the, the corrupt government showed up. You know what I mean? Oh, shoot. Uh, something dropped. And I said, you know, I was like, I'm getting shot. This is it. The government's here. <laughs> they found out about me. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you know what I mean? That's how bad they were because they were sinners. But I mean, the tax collectors were super corrupt, right? I mean, very, very corrupt. They were, they were the worst of the worst. And so they spoke up and they said, well, what do we do? So John, he speaks directly to them, and he says, don't collect any more than is required of you. Stop. Look, I know you're getting away from it, but stop. Stop taking advantage of people. Stop stealing from people. Stop doing, you know, start doing what is just, not what you can justify. Stop doing things that, you know, you're never going to get caught. The government, the empire has been letting you do it forever. But don't. Don't do that, right? Don't, don't, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, another group. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? Now, let me tell you about these soldiers. You may not know the historical context of these soldiers. These soldiers were hired by the empire, but they were not Roman citizens. They were like auxiliaries. They were outside of Rome. And because they were outside of Rome and, and Judea, they were very, very racist. There's so much racism happening during this time. And so they're racist against the Jews. They're racist against the Galileans. They're even racist against the Roman citizens. So these black ops auxiliary soldiers are brought in from the empire, and they're hired by the empire. And because of their racism for the people that they're, you know, they're, they're upholding the law, but they're doing it in a very, very harsh way because they don't even like these people. And so they're taking bribes and all kinds of stuff. So these soldiers, these were bad dudes, okay? These are not people serving their country. These are black ops professionals who are, who are there to make a dime, and they are making it any way that they can. But these soldiers are there. For some reason, it brought them out. They're probably hunting for people, waiting for people to make mistakes. And so they're out there, and one of them raises his hand. Well, what about, what about us? What should we do? And John says to them, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. You guys are already getting paid. Be content with that. Stop doing what you're getting away from. Stop being so harsh to people. Stop accepting bribes and extorting people and paying people off for protection. Stop doing that. You're better than that. Stop doing that. And then John, this is what happens next. All of a sudden, I mean, this was so revolutionary. This was so amazing. They thought he was the Messiah. 
They thought he was the Jesus. And he explains it to him. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of his sandals, I'm not even worthy to untie. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Do you know what John's message was? John's message to these people, when he told them to produce fruit, and he took them group by group by group by group, he's like, they're like, what do we need to do? Here's what you need to do. What do we need to do? Here's what you need to do. His message was, go do something. Go do something. Don't just sit here and believe. Don't just sit here and think about it or talk about it. Go do something. And more specifically, his opening act strategy was this. His mission was this. I want you to do in your world what Jesus is about to do for your world. Go and do in your While you're waiting, while you're waiting for this, this Savior to come, I want you to go do in your world what Jesus is about to do for your world. Because if you start doing it now, when Jesus comes, you will not be surprised. You will be already in sync. You will have a head start because it is time to put some wheels on this thing. It is time to get this thing into motion. And it cannot be stagnant and it cannot just sit here. It needs to move forward. And if you would start right now, when Jesus comes alongside you, you will go together. And you will be in sync with the ministry of Jesus. Now, here, here's why this is so important for us today. Is that all the time, I mean, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I, I grew up, I, so I grew up in church and I have that context. But, you know, now, and now I've been a pastor for, for about 13 years. And the thing is, is that every once in a while, I'll have somebody come up to me and I'll say, man, pastor, listen, I, I just want some deep teaching. I, I don't want to go deeper. Will you take me deeper? Could we read a book? Could we do a group? Could we, what, we need a Bible study. We need a, you know, this, this doesn't happen here so much. But I used to hear this when I pastored in Nebraska. Pastor, we need a revival. You know, have you ever heard that answer? We need a revival. Can we, can we have a revival? And here's the thing. Nothing's bad about that. Nothing's bad about that. But here's what I want you to understand. There is not deep teaching. There is only deep doing. If you want to go deeper, if you feel stagnant, if you feel separated from God, let me tell you, it ain't going to come out of a Bible study, brother. It ain't going to come out of a revival. You want to go deeper? Look, the definition of the word deeper is to going into the end of the pool where you can't touch the ground, where you have to tread, where you're exerting more energy than normal, where you feel like your head, you don't know how long you can keep it up. That is called deeper. And here's the thing. You can only go deeper when you start more deeply doing. You want to go deeper? You want to pray that prayer? You want to tell Jesus, Jesus, God, I, I feel stagnant. I need to go deeper. You know what Jesus is going to send you? He's not going to send you a book in the mail from Amazon. What he's going to do is he's going to put the most difficult, most unlovable, most different than you person in your path, and he's going to say, love them in the way that I have loved you. Welcome to the deep end of the pool. Good luck to you. And you're going to go, that's not what I signed up for. No, 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 no. Wasn't talking about helping people that are different than me, don't believe like me, don't think like me, aren't the same age like me. I was talking about getting together with other people who look like me, believe like me, think like me, and maybe we read a book and drink coffee together. That's more what I was thinking, Jesus. 
Maybe like a five-night thing that works within my schedule, not when I have to take off work, not where I'm gone, you know, that kind of thing. And Jesus is going, that's so funny. Sounds like what you're looking for is a way to go deeper that is convenient for you and makes you smarter than other people so that you can use that against other people. And that's not what we're here to do. You want to go deeper? There is deep doing. You want to pray that dangerous prayer? Lord, take me deeper? Then pray it and then wait because God will put you in a situation with people who are so hard to love and so hard to show grace and mercy to, and then you will understand what Jesus has dealt with when he has dealt with you. So, here's my question. If your life was an advertisement, what would you be advertising? From what they see you do and say and who you are, what would people say, oh, you're that guy or you're that person? Because the thing that we should advertise is we should be advertising they do for others version of faith. More specifically, if you wanted to take everything that Jesus said, we should be advertising the light of the world version, the salt of the earth version, the forgive your enemy version, the last in line version, the wash others feet version, the generous to others version, the ones who are willing to leave the 99 for the one version of faith. That is the faith that we as Christians should advertise. And that is the do for others faith. That is the version of faith that produces fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, well, then what are you really doing? Now, for those of you who are deconstructing your faith, you're probably sitting there going, get those Christians. You get them, Pastor. I've been waiting for somebody to say this for a long time, right? But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Maybe you weren't taught that version. Maybe you weren't taught that version. Maybe growing up, and I I wasn't taught that version until I was a teenager, until my dad decided to plant a church, and it was completely focused to reaching the lost and people who who were on the verge of losing their faith, people who had left the church. That's when my dad started planting churches, and that's when I started to get the call to plant a church, but churches for people who don't like church. And that's why we exist. And here's the thing. If you weren't taught that version and you've been deconstructing your faith because you were told just to take things by faith, you were told the Bible says, look, I understand that. If you were taught up in a religious system where it, it, was, it was a bunch of motions and it was about going through classes and it was about jump, jumping through hoops, I understand that. I realize you haven't been taught that version of faith yet. And so here's the thing. If you're deconstructing your faith, if you've got your hand on the doorknob and you're like, I think I'm done with church. I think I'm going at Easter and Christmas from here on out. And I'm just going to go through the motions and I'm going to do this and I'm just going to try to be a good person. Here's what I challenge you to do. I find that the areas of my life where I find myself close to Jesus, where I find myself knowing that I'm in a relationship with Jesus and I feel, I feel the Spirit doing things in my life, I, I, here's what I want you to do. Try doing. Do something. Do something not for you, but do something for someone else. And here at Anchored Hope, I got a million opportunities for you. You want to do something for somebody else? Go to Mobile Food Market. 
Go to the Monday one that's, that's every week. Go to the Wednesday one that's once a month. Come help, come help it power up. Come help it this. Come help it that. In, in a couple weeks here, we're going to do a lunch for everybody who's new here called Starting Point. We do this about once a quarter. And I want you to come. And I'll give you things to do. Trust me. I've got a list. I'll give you stuff to do. And here's the thing. It's not just about doing it. It's not about earning gold stars. It's because when you do... You are doing ministry. You are loving with a certain brand of love that is different than any other brand of love on the planet. And what you will find is when you do, you will better understand Jesus. And here's the thing. You will find Jesus and you will understand what Jesus did for you first. But you can't do that just in a book. The books are good. Studying is good. Reading the scriptures, those are good. But you have to produce fruit, and you have to go and do something. And just like this, none of this was planned, but this is just like an aha moment that I'm like just putting together now. When you do something, that's when you get to experience moments like I had in worship when I got to listen to that song that CJ wrote. Or, or witness what Ashley went through this week and the great week that she had. It's when you do something that you begin to plant seeds in people's life. And then when there's a harvest and you see something produced in them, you're like, oh my goodness, this is what Jesus sees all the time. And this is what heaven's like. And if I would share and if I would love others and if I would do for others and I would take what I've learned and I would put it into practice and I would do this, oh my goodness, not only would it make my life better, but it would make me better at life. And that's what I've been looking for. Because that's what you're looking for. And that's a reason to hang on to your faith. Because trust me, it's much, much more than just are you going to hell or not, okay? It's much, much more than that. It's about the story. It's about when your life is nothing more than a story to tell, what story do you want told? It's about the influence and the impact and the growing of the kingdom as it is in heaven here on this earth. And God is calling you to be a part of it. And it gives your life purpose. And it gives your life joy. And it brings you into moments like I just had up here when I was praying. Tears of joy. Because I'm just glad, even though God did it all, I'm glad he used me to be part of it. And God wants that for you too. So don't leave just yet. Hang on, test it, try it, and do something. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank you so much for what you gave us, and I thank you for the ministry of John. I thank you for what John said and the message that we can take today, how there were others who were there, people like Peter who was there, who is able to give it to Luke and tell us today and how we're able to share it. But God, it's not enough to just go, oh, good sermon, great day, good service. We have to now take it and do something with it. We have to now take it and go and do for someone else. Love someone else. Be there for somebody else. God, would you help us to share? Would you help us to not do what we can justify, but do what is just? Would you help us to do right by people? Would you help us to love people? Would you help us to be vessels of peace? 
Maybe this week, Lord, that looks like taking Chris and Christy a meal. Maybe, Lord, that, that looks like this morning. Maybe it looks like giving to our teen camp fund. Maybe, maybe, maybe it looks like signing up and being part of a serve team. Maybe it, it does something completely outside of the church in a, in a, in a, in a group that we're in, a, in a club we're in, in our community, at our job. I don't know, God, but I know for every single one of us, there's something you can give us right now today that tomorrow when Monday starts, there's something we can do that will impact your kingdom. There is something we can do for somebody else that is going to be a loving act towards somebody else. And so, God, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the faith to do that and to try that? In your name we pray. Amen. Will you guys stand with us this morning? God of J.